everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we are here today to talk to you about the things that you didn't learn about in school, but maybe you should have. Yeah. And Oh, I'm being a little slow today. Sorry. We recorded one episode earlier, and I feel like we used up all of our banter. Is we that... didn't even banter in the last one. We just we dove kinda. right in. We dove right into it because it was important. But this time we need to banter, and I am like losing my mind. Banter. Banter. We are bantering. Bantors. Honestly, our lives have not been that interesting lately. Austin went to a gaming event. Yep, I lost horrifically. Yeah, and I went to my sister-in-law's birthday party. We went to a tiki bar, and it was it was something else. The food upstairs was awesome, like to the point where I want to take Austin back there because the macaroni and cheese and the fries were really good. Like, I didn't even, I had leftover macaroni, and I didn't share it. It was so good. Yep. It had jalapenos in it. Oh, this sounds really good. And she sent me a picture of her drink, and it looked like it was bright red, and there were mint leaves sticking out of every part of it. Yeah, it was about 16, at least 16 ounces, maybe more. And it had three different kinds of rum and brandy and orange liqueur in it. So Okay, what ridiculous name did this thing have? Catbird Sit. Okay, that's not nearly as ridiculous as I thought it would be. Yeah, it was in the tiki bar, and I don't know what it meant, but it was good. So, yeah, it was just an interesting little place here in Kansas City, although this place is hard to get into. Like, you have to have a reservation, and if your whole party's not there, then you can't get in. (gasps) The whole place maybe fits 100 people, based on what I saw. We were uh, 23 of them, so. Oh my god, that's huge. Yeah, we were a big group. And, I mean, has anything else been going on? Um, it snowed and iced. Yeah, we're talking about this now, and it will have been two weeks since all this happened by That's the time true. this airs. Oh, yeah, we're talking about the distant past. I mean, it's probably, it's, come on. Four it's, score and seven years ago. It'll still be February or January. I don't know the dates, but it'll be winter when this yeah, airs. Yeah, it'll be barely still January when yeah. this airs. But we're recording early because Austin is flying out to Phoenix this week, and Woo-hoo! he'll be gone over yeah. our normal recording days. He's excited to get out of the cold and to see his family, but yeah. unfortunately he's going for a funeral. And But it's okay. I mean, it's my family, so we're going to play cards and swear and play Scrabble and swear. Yeah, you better send me some like videos of this. I've never it's... gotten to play Scrabble with your terrifying grandmother. Oh my god. His it's... grandmother's not terrifying in actuality. I just gather she is during Scrabble. It's. I remember like as a small child playing a really good word in Scrabble. She's like, oh, that's great. Good job. Then she crushed me and was like, beat me by like like 200 points as a child. Or um, when grandmother decided that, you know what? I get a lot of points for putting cunt down as a word in Scrabble against my eight-year-old sister. (laughs) Did she have to explain what it meant after that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's because, you know, it's like, I swear, it's kids can tell when it's a bad word and when it's a word they're just, they just don't know. It's like, it's like, I don't know that word. That's fine. I don't know that word, but something tells me it's a dirty word and I need to ask questions. I love that she didn't let you win, though. Oh, no. Um, to this day, she will, like, she will crush you beneath her feet. Yeah, I'm a big fan of not letting kids win. I mean, if they are really bad at something, let them win once in a while. I kind of get it because if it's something you really want them to enjoy, I get that. But letting them win every time, it makes them into bad winners and bad losers later on. And I still remember, like, the absolute pride I felt the first time I beat my dad at air hockey. My dad kicked ass at air hockey, but when I was, like, 11, I beat him, and it was awesome. Because he'd never let me win, and he would, like, full-on just, like, whip that thing across the table, and, oh, man, it was awesome. So, we're recording early because of that, and... We don't have a theme, unlike last last week, which we recorded an hour ago. Yep. We don't have a theme, but continue to donate to places in Australia. Please do, because they will still need it. Even if the fires have burned out by this time, knock on wood, they'll still need help. Just like Puerto Rico still needs help. Oh, and Puerto Rico needs lots of help. Yeah, everything, the whole world is kind of exploding, guys, if you've noticed. Like, Puerto Rico is flooding and... The Philippines is a volcano going on. And New Zealand also had a volcano. Kansas had a pretty hefty earthquake today. I know. It's like, this is some end of days revelation shit that's happening right now. There's a place in South South America where animals are like constantly being born with two heads and without skin and stuff. Like, 
we got some revelation shit happening. I mean, I think that one's downstream from a chemical processing plant, though. I'm pretty sure that is also in Revelations. Yeah. And it's like, and the beast shall appear, and it shall be wear the name DuPont, and it shall pollute your waterways. I mean, that's pretty much what we learned from Ferngully. Yep. Well, today I went first last time, so, so it's Austin's turn this time. I could go first. It's like I've been talking for an hour straight. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to talk about something really weird, like weirder than usual, because this is an ecological disaster. Just like DuPont in the end of days. But it kind of turned out okay for a while, and then it went straight back to being an ecological disaster that is ongoing and will present huge problems for the entire state of California. Speaking of revelations and how the world is going to hell. So I'm talking to you about the Salton Sea. The Salt and Sea? Salton. S-A-L-T-O-N. Okay. Salton Sea. Okay. So what happened, once upon a time, it was just Salton something. I can't read my handwriting. Do you want some help? No. To do the Salton... Salton Sink. There we go. I I had it written out. The Salton Sink. It was just a spot of old, like, primordial dry lake bed in California. But they decided, we're going to start farming in this area because, you know, why not? They started an irrigation project from the Colorado River. But it didn't go very well. It kind of got clogged up with silt from the river and overflowed and cut into the dam and everything. And for... Here we go. They fucked up and diverted the river into the Salton Sink and it took them two years to stop this leak. Did you just drop your phone in your wine? I did. <laughs> oh, and you were trying to get me to not call you out on that. I saw you being sneaky. No, I moved it out so you could see it. It didn't <laughs> fall all the way in. It just fell into the rim of the glass. Oh, this God. is the benefit of not using actual wine glasses. Yeah, don't use wi- actual wine glasses. You can drop your phone in them. And Wait. I can wash this without having to do it by hand because I yep. really hate hand washing. I worked oh, as a my. dishwasher for a while. And I, it just, trauma, trauma. Also, like, storing wine glasses, they're so tall. We don't have good places to keep wine glasses. We've got them stored. I got them hidden up yeah. in that uh, tiny shelf. Oh, we got, oh, got the tiny shelf. All right. Which is very different from our haunted shelf. Yes. Our haunted shelf where, I think, seriously, when we move out of here, we need to put something really creepy up there. Yeah, when we move out, okay, it's this hidden shelf that I didn't see for the first two and a half years we lived here until I was up cleaning. And it's tucked behind a wall. And it's completely dark. I was so bummed there wasn't anything in it. Uh, The plan for me is a Ouija board, some candles, and a doll. Um, I'm going with an old-timey photo where the the faces of everybody but one creepy child are burned out. Okay, we'll have to discuss this off the air because this is an important decision. It's like, there's other decisions. You know, we need to get this set up just in case we unexpectedly die. Oh my god. Yes, let's not do any estate planning, but we need to have this set up. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, what estate? All we need to plan for is who's going to get our cats. Oh, that's that's a tough question. It is. We need to make sure it's somebody who we, won't let them outside. We need a responsible cat owner in case something unexpected should happen to us. Yeah, that's all that matters. Like, we don't own anything of import. So last week when Austin triangulated our position... We don't have anything worth stealing. I mean, I, I have a Amazon Fire tablet for God's sake. I narrowed it. I narrowed it down to ten square miles. I think we're fine. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's it took them two years to stop this leak, and like during that time, it was dangerously close to eroding all the way back to the Colorado River and being completely unstoppable. At some points, there was a three hundred foot waterfall from the erosion of this, and it was like. It was finally, they finally got it patched after two years, but by then it was too late. It had filled up and created the Salton Sea. It's uh, about 15, it's about 15 miles from Palm Springs, super close to Coachella. So you're like, you know, Beyonce, um, unless you want Coachella to start smelling like sulfur and rancid fish, you should probably work on fixing this. And guys, this is not a good place to get high at Coachella and then go take Insta photos at. Don't do it for the gram. it is all about the gram now. Yeah. Oh, is this the place that has like the bright colored water? No, this is something else. Okay. But anyway, it's it's an inland sea. It's it's, uh, California's largest lake now. If you look at a map of California, you'll see it. It's like that big spot of water in Southern California. That's this. You're thinking I've ever looked at a map. It's true. I mean, you haven't seen Uluru. Why would I expect you to be able to have seen a map? Hey, though, thanks to my job, I can now name all 50 states. Yeah. Except I always forget Maryland. I've been there multiple times, but for some reason, I always forget Maryland. Yeah. 
So uh, when it flooded, though, a town, a railway line, and the uh, the Torres Martinez uh, Native American lands flooded and are gone. But it's a lake. It's about 350 square miles. It's uh, about it's about 15 miles by 35 miles, and it's roughly the size of San Diego. Okay. I say authoritatively, like yes. I've been to San Diego. So at first, the Navy used it for training and testing, but its real success was as a resort used for water skiing, boating, and fishing, and like just beach stuff, because it was a giant lake that didn't have anything built up around it in Southern California, where basically everybody lives. This was a huge tourist destination for a long time, like back in the, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. They had a $2 million yacht club built there. Uh, its members included the Beach Boys, uh, Jerry Lewis, and the Marx Brothers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so this was a hopping place. There was clubs, resorts. It was the vacation spot for Southern California for a long time. Um, a half a dozen towns sprung up along this lake. But why don't we hear about this lake anymore? Because it kills people. It's... It got gross. And we're not talking just like resort town gross. We're talking actually gross. There was, there is, it's, so it's an inland lake, but it doesn't have an outlet. So it's getting saltier and saltier as time goes by. Much like your average drag queen. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> good, good call. It's currently about twice as salty as the Pacific Ocean. And this is nuts, but 3.6 million tons of salt are deposited every year in this lake. Is it, like, usable salt? Could we get it out there? Yeah, I mean, you could. It? You could. There's actually some of the plans to fix it involve desalinization plants would, to provide water for California. Would it be usable after that, though, or is the salt, like, poisoned? It's also poisoned because there's also incredible amounts of agricultural runoff. So um, this is caused, because it's being salt and saltier, there have been massive fish die-offs, colossal algae blooms, which also cause fish die-offs. Oh, and, is that why the Instagrammers are there? Because the algae blooms? Oh, no. We're going to get to why the Instagrammers are there. And uh, massive bird deaths because this came a, became a spot for migratory birds to stop and migratory waterfowl. But then the water got kind of poisonous and they died. As you can imagine, the millions of pounds of dead fish and birds and, al- and rotting algae smells real bad. I'd imagine so. Um, when the wind is right, you can actually smell the salt and sea in Los Angeles. Ew. Yeah. It smells like rotten eggs. Is there a time of year we should avoid this place? All times of year. So All times of year. Always avoid California. Got avoid it. the Salton Sea. Actually, we're talking about going to California. We'll need to keep this yep. in mind. So, um, obviously, this has negatively impacted tourism in the area. Shocking. Yeah. Here we go. That uh, North Shore Beach and Yacht Club that I was talking about, uh, it was finally abandoned in 1984, partly because the fluctuating water levels. What are you doing? There's a hole. Ignore my pants hole. <laughs> okay. The North Shore Beach and Yacht Club was abandoned in 1984 because the fluctuating water levels actually made it so the jetty and all the spots where you could launch boats and get on boats from were no longer in the water. And also because there were thousands of dead fish washed up on the shore. Gross. Yeah. Uh, the recent droughts have actually made things worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, currently, there's about 20,000 acres of exposed dry lake bed around this lake. And because there's less water coming in because of the drought... And more water was being used for irrigation, so less water was getting into it from that. It also to, to interrupted bird migrations again, so there's another big bird dry, die out. And because it's been drying up, and there's all of that agricultural runoff, there have been clouds of toxic dust coming up from this dry lake bed. It's, it's also related to lots of respiratory disease in the area. One in five children living in the area around the Salton Sea have asthma, as compared to the national average of one in eight. Okay. This is, like, as bad as the children living in, like, Bombay and Beijing, where they have had, like, killer smog. It is that bad. And L.A. spent all that time and money eliminating their smog problem. Yeah. But they're not doing that with this? No, they're not. Currently, there's not a lot of being done. Um, There's some efforts to save the Salton Sea because of their one of their former congressmen. I'd like you to guess who this former congressman was. He was trying to save the Salton Sea. Oh, God. The one that's been alive for 3,000 years? No. It's Sonny Bono. Oh, okay. Wait. No, Sonny Bono's dead. He's dead. But he was trying to save it back when he was alive. 
Okay. So Sonny Bono was the guy who spearheaded it, and a lot of the stuff involved in saving the Salton Sea is named after Sonny Bono, Cher's husband, ex-husband. Dead husband. He's dead. He, uh, he died, what, skiing and he ran into a tree? I think so, yeah. yeah. I know it was a skiing accident. Yep. So they're estimating in 10 years there will be about 60,000 acres of exposed lake bed. Wow. Unless something is done. What um, is acres to miles? Because you put it in miles to me earlier. Now I can't I can't picture that. Um, an, an acre is about the size of a football field. What are football fields to miles? Okay. Um, it's, it's an acre. It's, it's one of those things that you should just know. No, I know what an acre is, but now I'm trying to get acres to miles in my head to figure out how much of the ocean or the sea that is. It's, it's not. I'm looking it up. Keep going. Yeah. So, uh. Parts of the plans to save it involve actually piping more water into it and allowing more water to come into it, but also piping water out of it to decrease the salinity. Uh-huh. So it stops becoming like a Dead Sea type situation where all the fish are dying. How many acres are getting exposed? 60,000 acres. 60,000. That is about 93.75 square miles, which would be about mm, 25%? Yeah. Okay. So it's... It's going to be, again, global warming and droughts. Global warming's not real. It's very real. It's not real. Super real. Arson causes all of it. So anyway, they're planning on piping water out and either uh, moving it, like, literally piping it into Mexico was one of the plans. What? Yep. Another plan involved uh, piping it out and using a desalinization process, which basically involves boiling it and pulling all the salt out and using the water vapor to make water and using that water to provide water for the city of Los Angeles. Okay, here's an idea. Think about places like the Crescent Hotel where we, they convince people the magic the water was magic. Uh-huh. What if we tell Trump this water is magic and that he needs to have it at Mar-a-Lago? That would be a gigantic pipeline. Well, we'll just put it in trucks or some shit. Yeah. So uh, currently the low-end estimates of these plans run in at about $9 billion to save the Salton Sea. I'm telling you, the Trump plan is the way to go. He'll pay for it. Yeah. So the problem is, like, a lot of these plans would, if nothing's done, it's going to increase the, the toxic dust which will cause about $13 billion in additional medical costs. Yeah, that's a little more. But, you know, the government has to pay for that, mm-hmm. so. So it's like, but it's, again, there's a drought. They can't put more water into this lake. The cost of piping it out is expensive. There's not a really good solution to this. And in 2018, uh, there were 11 proposals were made about what to do with this. None of them were approved. We need Sonny Bono back. Yeah. We Sonny do- Bono's ghost. Come talk to them. Sonny Bono's ghost. Um, we've got a Ouija board that we're planning on putting in a secret little cabinet. Uh, we would like to welcome. We'd like to invite you onto our podcast with a Ouija board. Yes, please. <gasps> oh my god, we should do that. We should have Ouija board podcasts where we're talking to famous ghosts with a Ouija board. That won't go poorly. Not in my house, but maybe in the garage. In friends' houses, we'll just like stealth do a podcast and like the friends we don't really like. So I mean. Unless you're the friend who catches us recording in your house, then we like you. We just had a good idea and decided to record there. Yeah. We're not summoning ghosts. Yeah, we, we just really, li- we really like you. We chose your house because we like you. So what are, the, what are some of the current tourist attractions around there? Because people are still going there. I don't know. What are they, Austin? Well, um, the current noteworthy attractions are tourism, exploring the abandoned towns and resorts and stuff around there. There's lots of people. It's, like, it's, mo- it's modern, abandoned like towns. And there's a lot of tourism, mainly people on Instagram taking photos of, like, dilapidated buildings. And it's... I get that. It's like a high school photography project. Yeah, it's like your high school photography project. And there's also mud volcanoes. Mud volcanoes. Caused by some geothermal activity on the eastern shore. So people go out to see these mud volcanoes. Do they, like, get into the nasty mud? No, because it's toxic and exactly, it smells like rotten eggs. Exactly, but for the gram. Eggs. Gotta do it for the gram. For the gram! And it'll probably, it's, it's mud volcanoes. It'll probably scorch your skin off. But for the gram! For the gram! And there's another thing there that people come to do, and I honestly hate to tell you specifically about this. Oh, no. Are there goats? Worse. It is Slab City. Slab? Slab City. It's an abandoned marine base. That a bunch of squatters kind of showed up at, and it is uh, a bunch of van people living for free. I love it. I'm too old to get any of these diseases, and if I get them, I'd be living in a van. I'm happy. It's a huge squatter camp. There's about 150 full-time residents, but there are many, many snowbirds that come down there in their mobile homes to avoid the cold winters, and they drive out again in the summer when it gets hot. 
All I want in my life is to live in a van. There are no sewers, no electricity, no water, uh, no garbage pickup, but there are also no parking fees. So if you're in a self-contained van and you're all about that living off the grid life, this is the community for you. Yes, I'm going to go live there now. Bye. Uh, It is an enclave of anarchy. That is how they advertise themselves. But be warned, it is also famous for some truly insane Christian folk art. (laughs) That sounds awesome. (laughs) For example... There is Salvation Hill. A uh, it is literally an entire hill painted with Bible verses visible from the highway. That's all, okay, okay. And then there's East Jesus. <laughs> okay. I cannot explain this. It's basically someone took garbage and said, "I'm making this into art." Didn't do a great job at it. <laughs> okay, Austin, you are not taking away from my desire to live in this place. And it's like, it is just. It is literally garbage turned into folk art, which folk art is the worst art. Okay. And he died, though. But now there's a goddamn... East Jesus died? The guy who created East Jesus died. He'll be back in three days. It's fine. (laughs) That's West Jesus. And and there's a goddamn nonprofit trying to preserve it and prevent the state of... And expand it and prevent the state of California from moving in and taking over this land that they technically own. You know, though, out of all, like, the van life places, this one sounds relatively safe, other than, like, the chemicals in the air. But, I mean, I have a feeling that this is a place where, like, if you are just out driving and you get tired and lost and you pull up there, you're probably not going to get raped and murdered. That's this pretty is great. why I didn't want to tell you this. Oh, they call it East Jesus because it's in the middle of nowhere. But it's not because you can see the fucking highway from it. <laughs> they didn't call it butt fucking Egypt, Austin. They called it East Jesus. <laughs> Okay, if they called it butt-fucking Egypt, I would be on board with this project. So uh, California currently wants to sell the land, but my God, the community there raised a stink, and they want to buy it for $1 an acre. Okay, I'll give them a dollar. These are full-time van people. This is what you want to get into. It 100% is. You are warned. I want I want to go live in my van. I Like those VW vans they're advertising, it's my dream life. It's just like, this is, it sounds so gross. Not only does it smell like rotten eggs, but it's full of retirees and RVs and hippies and folk art. Yeah, it sounds great. It's like, why? Why? Because I don't have to deal with anybody any longer than I want to. I had better finally be senile and living in a home when you do this. All right, so five years from now. Please, two years from now. (laughs) I'm already slipping. You heard my intro. So, are you ready for some questions about what's going to be on the test? Oh, that was short. It was real short. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, because I, well, you were rage typing yours, so I assume you're going to go real long. Uh, it's a little long, yeah. Yeah. Yay! I'm smart. I'm the smart one today. For two years. For two years. So, you ready for some questions? Yep. All right. Will this be on the test? Will the fact that this was created completely by accident be on the test? Yeah. Will the fact that it could kill thousands and make Southern California smell like rotten eggs for decades be on the test? Yeah. Will the fact that Sonny Bono was a congressman be on the test? Well, I mean, that doesn't even need to be on the test. That's just common knowledge. It's just, it still baffles me that Sonny Bono was a congressman. I mean, so was um, uh, Shirley Temple was a congressman or a senator. I can't remember which. She was a uh, ambassador. Okay. Yep. And will East Jesus be on the test? No. Could. Sadly. There's candy. Why are you going through my pants? <laughs> well, I sensed that there was candy in your pocket. It's my candy. <laughs> this is what marriage is really like. <laughs> so children listening at home, like all of this stuff about ecological disaster and thousands of years of awfulness is not the real message. It's that marriage is weird. <laughs> marriage is real fucking weird. Marriage is, I'm wearing pajama pants and she's mad there's a hole in them, so she stole my candy. Yep. I hate holes in clothes. I hate stains on clothes. It's just, ugh. Is that why you've sewn all the sleeves of my t-shirts shut? <laughs> and the neck holes, yes. And the neck holes. They're just pillows now. I just have pillows. <laughs> They're full of candy wrappers. He has to run around naked. His work does not like it. It is so cold in there. They, I keep saying, it's like, hey- you need to fix the heat in here. And they're like, no, you need to put on some pants in here. It's like, whatever. I'm going to talk to HR. They're like, good. Talk to HR. You're not wearing pants. But you're not harassing anybody. So they're fine. I mean, I guess that would 
No, that'd still be harassment. No, I don't think it actually would. There has to be a certain level of like forcefulness going on with it. So unless you're walking around and like showing off your butt <laughs> directly to people on purpose. I do bend, have to bend over and pick up lots of things during the day. Lift with your legs, not with your back. But I got I got to make that booty go pop. <laughs> now it's harassment. Now it's harassment. Especially if you yell that every time. That is uh that that is my email signature. It's like it's like Make the booty go pop. It's like some people have an inspirational quote or their pronouns. I've got make the booty go pop. Hey, at least you changed it from to the windows to the wall. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage is weird, kids. I think we're just weird. We We can't blame the institution of marriage for this. This is on us. I'll tell you, though, I think most married people are lying when they're in public, acting all normal and shit. Yeah. It's like, we are we are weird, but we own it. Yeah. So, you <laughs> ready for my topic? Yes. Okay, I'm going to start with a question. All right. What was your favorite thing to eat during school lunch? Uh, That's super easy. Chicken nuggets with ketchup. See, mine was also, I would get so excited for chicken nugget day, and it was only like once a month. Oh my god, and then like later we realized, oh my god, you can, when you get the mashed potatoes and gravy with the chicken nuggets, you can dip the nuggets into the mashed potatoes and gravy. And, and put that it way. on your biscuit. You got biscuits? Or a roll, whatever. Oh yeah, was. on the roll? Yeah, yeah we do that. And you could only do it like once, because it was just enough for one chicken nugget. But you would pile those mashed potatoes on, and then there were green beans or something, which were actually okay when you mix them with the mashed potatoes. Yep. Like, I'm sure there was a dessert. I think it was one of those awful pie I think it was, situations. No, it was cinnamon rolls because it was always cinnamon rolls. Oh, no, rolls. we didn't have cinnamon rolls. Oh, we always got cinnamon rolls with chicken nuggets. That's why chicken, I think that's why the chicken nuggets were so good because you had the cinnamon roll. Cinnamon rolls, I think, are like a distinctly Kansas school lunch thing. Because, like, I've been hearing about this chili and cinnamon rolls, and I've oh, never dude, the chili. Ex- I've never experienced that. God, about the chili. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay, so Kansas, like, we're awful for many reasons, but apparently we get chicken nuggets and cinnamon rolls in our school lunches, so... Oh, you know what we didn't talk about on the last episode that we should have? What? The fact that Missouri is trying to jail all the librarians. Dude, okay, Missouri, jailing librarians. What the hell, man? Yeah, the first reason is that they want to jail librarians for giving kids access to, quote, inappropriate books that some parental council would decide on. Mm -hmm. It's like, if your kid is 10, they can't read this book, even if they're interested and their parents give you the thumbs up. And then now it's drag queen story time, which has groups of like two to 400 kids coming to listen. But some Republican out there is like, oh, that's immoral. And now it's if in either case, if the librarian lets a kid check out a book that's not approved they go to jail if a librarian allows a drag queen to read stories i'm assuming even to their own child the librarian can go to jail now obviously neither of these has passed yet yeah but what is is night veil in missouri is missouri night veil that's the only reason to be afraid of librarians okay i am not very surprised by this because like basically this entire year there's been a library district in missouri nearby us that has been having a fight with their library board about whether or not they can have basically some programming that is in favor of trans youth and basically treating them like humans and preventing suicides with them. Yeah, it's literally about how do we help these kids not kill themselves. Someone made a big fuss about it, so their board blocked it, and it's just, it's a it's a nightmare. Missouri, you're making Kansas look sane, and I never thought I'd see the day, and this is really weird. Yeah, guys, knock it the fuck off. Now, granted, yeah. I kind of doubt this has a ton of general support. I, If this passes, I will eat your hat. I don't have it. Oh, no, I have one hat. You're not allowed to eat it. Fine, I will eat my hat. The gross one. <laughs> the gross, the orange one? No, the Royals one that's kind of like oh brown God, now. I want to wash it so bad. No, this is after it's been washed. I've washed it before. Can I wash it? You, you know can... if anybody can get it clean, it's me. You know what? Go ahead and try washing it. Okay. I'm excited now. I love She has laundry. one hobby and that hobby is laundry. Okay, so back to the topic because you were saying Kansas was pretty bad at stuff and there's there are worse things. So all too often, if you ask a kid what their favorite school subject is, they give you one of two answers. What are they? Recess and lunch. Recess and lunch. And then they follow it up by saying, even though the food isn't very good. Yeah, school lunches were not great. Now, putting aside the fact that this draws into sharp relief... The need for school reform and the need for more social time within the school day. I always kind of liked the food. 
I mean, I'm not a picky eater, as you know, but I always like I liked the pizza. I liked that cardboard nasty pizza that we got Mm -hmm. and the chicken nuggets, like you said, and not the Salisbury steak because there was green stuff in that. I don't think we ever had Salisbury steak. But and then in high school, the French fries. Those were good. And then at breakfast, we had the no-bake cookies. Ooh. Those were awesome. That was my breakfast. But anyway, there's still room for improvement on school lunches, and even more so now, because we've made them healthier, and no kid will eat them. What? I'll talk about that at the end. So, like I mentioned, it's weird that I picked this topic, because this school lunch reform thing that's now in the news, the Trump administration trying to pull back restrictions placed on it by Michelle Obama and stuff... This was not in the news when I wrote this, because this was actually supposed to be our episode for last week, which will be two weeks ago by the time this comes out. But then I got the flu and then we wanted to do Australia. So now there's new legislation trying to be pushed through, basically saying that they need to relax the lunch standards. And it's a whole thing. So it's just a pure coincidence. I'll talk about that more at the end, too. So how did school lunches come to be, though? I'm I'm assuming that like, kids need to eat food while they're at school. Well, if you think about things like To Kill a Mockingbird, she talks about going home for lunch or having like any other books around that time. They talk about, you know, having their lunch pale. And they never say, we were given lunch by the school because they weren't given lunch by the school. In early America, kids were expected to pretty much go home for lunch. And if they had a really long walk to school, they'd bring a lunch pail with them and just eat there. But as immigration rose and child labor laws were tightened, schools saw more kids coming to school and fewer of them had regular food access. In fact, in the 1870s, it was estimated that 12% of children were homeless. What? 12 per- Like if you have 100 kids, 12 of them don't have a place to live. In 1870? 1870s. That's, yeah. wow. And a ton more were not living in safe environments or had the money or ability to have food made at home. So even if you had a place to sleep, it doesn't necessarily mean it had a kitchen. So in 1894, Philadelphia began providing lunches for a penny. And Boston also attempted a school lunch program around that time. Charitable organizations were heavily involved early on, with them serving about 5,500 children in Boston. Boston started preparing lunches in a centralized kitchen. But by 1910, home ec classes actually took this over. (gasps) Another thing that we don't have anymore. We still do. It's called family and consumer sciences now. Oh, okay. facts. I mean, not every place has it, just like not every place has theater or band anymore. But yeah, it's still around. It was still called home ec when I was a kid, though. And they took it over three days a week with milk and sandwiches served the other two days. These earliest lunch programs, uh, the lunch items on one sample school menu ran from one cent for a crust. I do mean a crust, not a loaf of piece of bread, an actual just crust. Five cents for a sliced ham sandwich or baked beans and most desserts. Celery and nut salad and creamed eggs were also on the list. Oh. Ew. Yeah, I had to add those because they sound so gross. That's like a celery and nut salad. Oh, and creamed eggs? Yeah. Because I imagine it's like egg salad. Maybe. I mean, I don't like egg salad, but. No, I don't either. But yeah, so everything it Smells ran, like the salt and sea. Everything ran from about one cent to five cents. In 1903, someone wrote an article in which they said providing school lunches would help improve the physical health of kids in urban areas because, you know, kids in urban areas are not getting the love and support that they would get in rural areas. Uh, Kids in urban areas aren't having to wake up at five in the morning to try and feed cows and avoid farm equipment. Yeah, it's one of the it goes back to that thing that keeps popping up that urban areas are what causes the problems, not, you know, poverty. No, it's. There's just more people in urban areas. There's the exact same density of assholes in rural areas, too. Yep. And actually, though, the success of the school lunch programs in Philadelphia and Boston backed this up. Kids were physically healthier. They were more alert. They were more able to learn, which is real. Kids need to eat at lunch. Okay. Think about how hangry I get, and I am not a child. Yeah, and you always have access to food. I always have access to food. It's just sometimes I forget to eat because I'm a busy adult with busy adult problems, and then I get mad about stuff. And then I ask you why you're so grumpy, and you go, I'm not grumpy. And I ask you if you've eaten today, and you go, oh. (laughs) But I've had students who come in for lunch on Monday and have not eaten since lunch on Friday, which is why I'm so pumped up about this whole topic. Of course, not all students were in urban areas. And there were hungry kids in rural areas, too. No matter what they tried to say, there are kids without access to healthy food in rural and even farming communities. The schools also did not have the charitable backing or large kitchens of urban schools because there are fewer people and therefore fewer resources. Stop bagging on urban areas. 
So the teachers cooked food on top of their uh, stoves that heated the classroom. So they would have their stove heating stuff up and they would have like just a pot of something on it on top of it that would heat up throughout the day. In Wisconsin, kids brought liquidy kind of food like, you know, oatmeal and stuff in pint jars. And the food then was just set on top of it so they could have a warm meal for lunch instead of a cold meal for lunch. So if they brought their own food, now it was warm. And you, you always feel a little bit fuller when the food is warm. You do. Austin has like this just very nice smile because he's thinking about warm I'm thinking, food. I'm thinking about warm oatmeal. Like oatmeal, oatmeal is my comfort food. It's like if it's snowy, I want a bowl of oatmeal. I can't make oatmeal. How can you not make oatmeal? No, it's the easiest thing. I just pour in an amount of oats and then out of the water, throw it in the microwave, add some milk and butter and sugar, I do and it it's exactly done. Exactly like the instructions say, and it explodes every time. But it somehow is also not cooked. And I stir it. I follow all the directions, Austin. Uh, what? understand it parent teacher groups showed up and started donating items that would make for better cooking and serving and they became a major catalyst for the program's growth in the 1920s see austin the jazz age not entirely terrible wait it's gonna get terrible this is the start of the 20s what happened at the end of the 20s oh it probably doesn't say no it gets better okay so oh never mind okay Fine. The jazz jazz age wasn't all bad are you happy yeah kids were starving less Stupid kids. Now we're back to the Roaring Twenties again, Austin. Back to the Roaring Twenties. How are you going to do? I'll be fine. One of these days I'm going to pull out a flapper dress and I'll see if you go into conniptions. <laughs> Despite the absolute proof that well-fed students were and are better focused, better behaved, and healthier, school boards didn't want to deal with this crap. Kind of like today, when they're harshly penalizing families who can't afford their lunch bills and allowing students who have debts to have literal fucking stamps put on their bodies saying that they didn't pay they actually have big ass stamps on their hands saying non-payer or debt and then they are given a cold cheese sandwich and a juice for lunch and their actual lunch that they picked up was thrown away wow that's awful or there are also places where kids if they have a school lunch debt aren't allowed to go to participate in sports or other events they're not allowed to go to prom They're not allowed to do the things, like, there was one kid who was like, I was on the basketball team, my family can't afford my lunches, and now I can't go to college because I was going towards a basketball scholarship. Because they couldn't afford his lunch, so now he can't go to college. Because school boards consider their profits, and these are supposed to be non-profit, more important than these kids' abilities to thrive in education. And it's disgusting to me that millionaires are having to go to school districts and make these donations to pay off all the school lunch lunch fees. Like, that just happened. Who was it? An athlete, maybe? There was an, oh, God, an athlete who paid off all the school lunch debt. It was, I think it was in California. Yeah, I remember it was in California. It might have been just some millionaire guy, though. I don't know. But that shouldn't be a thing. The lunches should just be free. Yeah. Like, we pay enough in taxes. Oh, and everyone who says, well, what about the rich kids who can afford lunch? I can't believe we want to give these rich kids a free lunch. I absolutely do. Suck it the fuck up. And also, they're still allowed to bring their rich kid lunch if they want their caviar or whatever. (laughs) I was about to say, they can bring their caviar and their champagne for lunch. Because I know those those toddlers and their champagne lunches. I don't get that whole thing. It's like, oh, you want the rich kids? I'm like, I want all kids to have equal access to everything. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, give them the free lunch. Like, give them the free lunch. Give them the free health care. I don't care if they're rich. They deserve health care. They're children. Yeah. Same thing with college. I don't care if they're rich. If they want to go to private college, they can go to private college and pay for it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they didn't want to pay for it. And since governments were not taking on the issue to guarantee support, the school boards didn't want to put the money behind it, largely because, and this makes sense, they knew they would have to eventually add a dining room and or a kitchen. Yeah. I get that. Until this point, students had been eating at their desks. In fact, our parents probably did eat at their desks for at least part of their education. This actually still happens, though, where kids go back to their classrooms and eat at their their desks, especially if their school provides something for everybody at breakfast time, which I've worked in schools where every kid in the school got a free breakfast. It had mold in it once. I'm still angry. Like, literal mold inside the food. Yeah. But they came back to the classrooms to eat it because they couldn't stagger the breakfast time. Obviously, you can't have staggered breakfast times that would lead into lunch times. A good deal of food, however, was still donated by the government, and it was surplus surplus food. Hence the whole government cheese thing that's still joked about today. I actually don't know if we have government cheese that's sold in cafeterias at schools. I don't care. Oh God, I remember like the cheese sticks. You could like ball them up because they were basically like silly putty, uh-huh. and they bounced. Oh, in high school, one of my friends dropped their pizza, one of those Mexican pizzas. Yeah, and it bounced. 
It bounced several times. A pizza. Yeah. Still good, though. Not that one. We didn't eat it. So, um, or, so this is just, like, the agricultural, like, subsidy buying that's, like, there's, like, we grow a lot of corn this year, so the government buys basically, corn. Basically, yeah. And then they sell it to the schools? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's actually donated to the schools. Donated they to the schools. They had surplus. In the first year of that program, I couldn't find the year, 60,000 schools in 20 states got donated food. By 1936, so we're after the Jazz Age now, the Department of Agriculture stated that they were feeding 350,000 kids every day. By 1942, 78,851 schools and over 5 million children were eating school lunches, or about one-third of schools and a one-fourth of children in schools. So see, they were getting better. Yeah. And it started when? The Jazz Age. It wasn't until 1946 that, so this was after all the kids are already dead from the Depression, so it doesn't matter anyway. President Truman signed the National School Lunch Act. It spelled out that food must be nutritious and inadequate supply, and most importantly, that the lunches were non-profit. Non-profit. You're not making money off these lunches, school boards. Stop shaming the kids. How did we end up with cafeterias now, though? Because before they were eating in their, in their classrooms, and there may have been a central kitchen somewhere. Well, the first cafeteria, and I don't mean school cafeteria, I mean just cafeteria, opened in the 1880s, serving adult men, and it was self-service. Samuel and William Childs later opened several restaurants uh, following that pattern we expect in modern school cafeterias. They got the tray, they push it along, they get to choose mm-hmm. things from the thing. Though these were popular across America, California really loved them and was ultimately called the Cafeteria Belt. <laughs> what? And the food in these places was really similar to school cafeteria food. Burgers, boiled vegetables, and jello. Oh, the jello. I loved the jello until they started throwing fucking fruit in it. Oh, God. I only liked it when there was fruit in it. Otherwise, it was just like this weird cube of green. See, sometimes, though, sometimes the grape came out. Sometimes there was grape jello. So, so far, the story sounds pretty nice, though. People are worried about kids starting to feed them out of the goodness their hearts make so they're healthy and able to learn. But like everything else, this is not the full story. Are you ready for the nefarious reasons behind feeding children? Because... There is a dark side to feeding children. Oh, God. Are we fattening them up for our alien overlords to eat them? Only if you ask the people arguing against uh, changing the healthy. I'll get to that. All right. As I mentioned, a big part of the reason we needed this was increasing immigration. Oh, I see where this is going. I don't like this. Immigrants eat food that has flavor. Americans eat food that does not have flavor. Whoa, whoa. Um, Corn is a flavor. Just ask anyone in the Midwest. You don't like corn. I hate corn. School lunches became a way to, and I quote, eat democracy. Part of it was to make sure that the students were equal in the food they were served. That's fair. You know, all the kids have access to the exact same food. I get that. But mostly it was to make kids acclimate and adjust their behaviors to act more like Americans. So, you know, you've got the kid who comes in and he's from Mexico. He's and he has, you know, spices in his foods. Well, we don't want that. We want him to look like an American, so he's got to eat this bland-ass boiled cabbage. Mmm. In 1947, a priest named John V-Y-S-N-A-U-S-K-A-S said that- Vinskus? Visnauskas. Vincent. Said that children were no longer immigrants, but Americans, as they had to eat this food together and only speak English in schools. So they were no longer from Lithuania, was where his- Community was from. They're no longer Lithuanians. They don't have that culture anymore. They're just Americans now. Uh, Gross. But American doesn't have culture. Literally, we've stolen everything that's fun about this country. Yeah, even our bland ass food is British, but we don't want to admit it. Yeah. I like British food. Now we get to the question everybody always asks Is ketchup a vegetable? You know what? I know it's a little early for questions, but I'm going to say no. Ketchup is not a vegetable. But remember, this became a popular statement when Michelle Obama started forcing evil vegetables on children. Apparently, she said that ketchup was a vegetable. Remember that? Yeah. Do you remember being in school ourselves and having them say, oh, we have this ketchup because ketchup's a vegetable, according to the government? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was said when we were kids, too. This was not something Michelle Obama said. This was, um, this came into effect with Reagan. God damn it. He never actually said the phrase ketchup is a vegetable. In the 1982 recession, however, he signed off on ketchup being reclassified as a vegetable in order to cut costs on school lunches, which is obviously the most important place to cut costs, just like PBS. Yeah, because, okay, they need to be nutritious. So we just made ketchup a vegetable, which somehow makes ketchup more nutritious. Yeah, ketchup 
Okay, tomatoes are one of the most highest, most sugar content fruits. And then you add sugar to it to get ketchup. Now, I love ketchup, but it's not healthy. Oh my god, ketchup was like the best thing about school lunches. Now, obviously this got got brought out to the public and it was called Ketchup Gate. Uh Uh-huh. And, everything's a gate now. And the proposal was withdrawn and the USDA began, USDA began offer versus serve, wherein children had to be offered milk, bread, meat, and two fruits or vegetables, but students could refuse up to two of these different items. And so they could refuse both fruits and vegetables. But again, they weren't too happy about this because they saw this as just part of Reagan's war against the poor. Because yeah. if you could afford to buy additional food... Then it was fine, but now, you know, ketchup is vegetable if you're poor. So, like, kids, tomatoes are a fruit, not a vegetable. Just a heads up. Heads up on that one. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's weirdly fruit and weirdly vegetables. Yeah, I think it's like, what, cucumbers are technically a fruit? Cucumbers? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Pumpkins are a fruit. Pumpkins are a fruit. Today, the National School Lunch Act is still in effect, and it has some tweaks, of course, because it's been, you know, 60 years. In 2010, the program was updated for the first time in over 30 years. Called the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act because we're keeping things nice and snappy. This program doesn't just address school lunches, but also summer programs and food services for mothers and children and other groups. So if you live really anywhere, you'll see school lunch programs advertised over the summers. Kids can come and eat lunch and they don't check ID. They don't ask you to bring your tax Mm -hmm. forms. It's just they assume that if you bring your kid, it's because they need something to eat. Oh, yeah, that's... um. It's a great uh, program. Uh, where I work actually had something that was this over this summer, and they've had it for like the last five years. It's just every day during like the summer, you can come into the library and a group provides lunch for you. It's awesome. We don't ask questions. You just get lunch. And that's the way it should be. They sh- we shouldn't. Ass- and that goes back to as well why every school lunch should be free. Because the system for getting the free and reduced lunch is very confusing, especially if English is not your first language. You sign one thing wrong, you forget one piece of paper, you don't get approved. If your circumstances changed, it can take weeks or months to get approved. And so in that time, that's when you get that school lunch debt. That's when your kid gets kicked off the basketball team and doesn't get to go to college anymore. So just make the goddamn lunches free. Mm -hmm. If you want to have an a la carte place that they pay for, go for it. Go for it. Have that standard school lunch be free and have the a la carte stuff be paid for. Done and done. Especially now they don't have to pay for school lunches anymore. The a la carte will pay for the whole damn thing because they want those french fries. Anyway, the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act. It's uh, made that, uh, it stated that all bread and other grain items must be 50% or more whole grain or have whole grain as its first ingredient. And there's a stronger emphasis on fruit, vegetables, and proteins. Because, you know, we didn't have fruit, vegetables, or proteins in our lunches growing up. Oh, no. We're all dead now as a result. We all died. Like, seriously, we had those nasty-ass green beans. We had all, we had pro- I don't understand how this really changes things other than they lowered the sodium level and made the food taste worse. Yeah. Because, like, they lowered the sugar, too, and now it's sugar-free whole grain donut shit. Oh. Yeah, would you want to eat this? No. No. I mean, I would, but ew. Now, I've actually seen the food they get now. While the pizza is slightly less greasy, it largely looks the same, except with less seasoning. And we didn't have a shit ton of seasoning to begin with. Okay, how can you have less than zero seasoning? I think they suck it out somehow. Like, there is no salt on things that definitely need salt, like french fries. But we also serve walking tacos, which are cut in half bags of Doritos with taco shit on top of the Doritos. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. But also Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act. Yeah, um, that sounds amazing. Then I realized, oh, that's basically a giant bag of sodium. Yeah, which sounds great to me. But Do yeah. you eat so much salt in your food? Like I do. I've been like cooking to fit your tastes and it's like, it's like oh, this is so salty. So what has happened since the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act is that while more fruits and vegetables are required, the rest hasn't really changed, except perhaps becoming more expensive because the recipes and the engineering to make the food had to be tweaked. It is more expensive to make these foods now. So you're getting basically worse food for more money. Yes. In an attempt to get kids to eat, after all, it's essential to make the food appealing. And as... Oh God, one, like, there was purple fucking ketchup to make it more appealing to kids, it and that was, that ketchup. was so gross. I tried it. I tried the green ketchup, too. It did not taste good. Okay, it tasted exactly the same. It just looked it weird. It tasted like food dye. As the director of culinary and nutrition services for Minneapolis Public Schools put it, now they get whole grain donuts. Whoop-de-doo. 
basically the food looks like things they want, but don't taste like it. So, so much of it gets thrown away. They will eat, they will take, take a bite, throw it away, or they won't eat any. I've seen entire trays go in the trash because they know that they don't want any of it. And they're just going to spend the rest of the day hungry. The current guidelines have also pulled back on increasing availability of ethnic food. So back when we had these fewer restrictions, we were, kids were starting to get Chinese food at lunch or Indian food at lunch, interesting things mm-hmm. that, that presented them to other cultures. They can't serve jasmine rice now. Why can't they serve jasmine rice? Because... It, because it has a, doesn't have the grain level or some shit. I don't can, know. Can they at least serve basmati and, rice? I don't know. And most non-American foods have like buttery sauces. So those are almost universally banned. And it's worth noting that kids from those cultures are far less obese, even if they live in America. Um, It's because of the soda. And, oh, it's, I was hearing something on NPR the other day. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, you know how like Philip Morris was marketing like menthol cigarettes to low-income areas uh-huh. and minorities? Uh-huh. When they bought craft foods and like all these food distributors, they started marketing uh, low costs, high sugary drinks to minorities the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And that's basically like a big cause of the obesity epidemic in America was marketing by Philip Morris using the same strategy they did to give everybody cancer. Cancer and diabetes, man. Yeah. So Philip Morris is what's wrong with them. Well, one of the things that's wrong with America. There's lots of things wrong with America. So the New York Times draws a great comparison between our school lunches and other countries. And I don't want to plagiarize, so I am reading this verbatim from the New York Times. Who wrote it? The New York Times. Okay. Consider that in France, where the childhood obesity rate is the lowest in the Western world, a typical four-course lunch. Cucumber salad with vinaigrette, lasagna, or salmon lasagna with spinach, fondue with baguette for dipping, and fruit compote dessert would probably not pass muster under the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act because of the refined grains, fat, salt, and calories, nor would the weekly piece of dark chocolate cake. By comparison, a federally approved school, school lunch in the United States is a, quote, reformulated Philly cheesesteak sandwich, low-fat, low-salt, processed cheese, and lean mystery meat on a lean on a whole grain bun with steamed green beans, potato wedge, and canned peaches and an apple. Students often have less than 20 minutes to eat before returning to class, while French children may have as long as two hours to eat and socialize. So in France, they get a well-balanced, if quote-unquote unhealthy by our standards meal. They get enough time to get the socialization out of their system, and they have enough time for the food to process. And as I understand it, they often do a lot of the serving and cleaning up themselves. We get 30 minutes of mystery meat. The School Nutrition Association said that the financial hit taken was huge and detrimental and that parents even reported that they did not follow these. Oh, this is still New York Times. They did not follow these standards in their own homes, meaning that kids may be more looking forward to an after school snack than any part of lunchtime other than the opportunity to socialize. That's my part, I think. Do not get me started on the schools that have assigned lunch seats. You don't get a chance to socialize all day and then you go to lunch and you don't get to sit with your friends. I was so badly bullied in school. That was the one time of day where I didn't get bullied because I got to sit with my friends who would tell other kids to fuck off. Assigning these lunches saying it's to improve socialization. Yeah, for me, it would have been just another attempt to get another time to get bullied. The worst of my bullying happened during lunch from other tables. So basically, they're taking out another opportunity to socialize when they do that. Another chance to get away from your friends, from the non-friends, things like that. Anyway, back to that 20 to 30 minutes to eat. WebMD ta- states that it takes 20 minutes from the time you start eating to the time you start to feel full, which sounds great until you remember that 20 minutes is the total amount of lunch time, not the amount of eating time. There were times when I was a kid where I had literally five minutes to eat. So this day, I eat lunch really fast. I eat all meals really fast because... There's a part of my brain that goes, okay, we got to get through this. We got to get through this. This is not uncommon even today. As schools get fuller, school lunch lines get longer, and that cuts into eating time. Cutting into time is also cleanup time where students are reasonably expected to clean their own plates and wipe down tables. Now, in 2002, this is an old study, but I've spent years in the classroom. Things have not changed. The Journal of Child Nutrition and Management found that the average eating time for elementary school students is the amount of time they actually spent putting food into their mouth. Elementary grades K through five, seven to 10 minutes. 10 minutes was the highest for any grade level. Out of that lunchtime, the highest they would eat, the highest amount of time eating was 10 
minutes. Obviously, things like socializing factor in. But let's remember, kids get almost no socialization time in school, even less now than in 2002. I mean, I had two recesses for a while as a kid, and now they're lucky if they get one 10-minute recess. So we got to get those kids, t- those test scores up, despite the fact that all evidence shows that a hungry kid that had that's been well socialized is going to do better. Yeah. Well, I mean, facts have nothing to do with policy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lunch eating time ranged from five to 10 minutes overall. High schoolers, eat, it was about five minutes that they would eat. And also remember, we had, our lunches had 750 kids in them at lunch at, yeah. in high school. Five minutes seems good. Oh, God. I, okay. I had a, uh, basically an orchestra independent study that was right next to one of the lines. It wasn't like the cheap line. It was the expensive line. But I went to that one anyway, because when that class got out, I could get to that line and actually get food and have time to eat. And come hang out with me. And come hang out with you. That was like, that was my motivation. I didn't want to go get the healthy lunch. I got the lunch that I could get quickly and sit down and actually eat. Yeah, I never went through the healthy lunch line. And it wasn't because I didn't like healthy food. It's because there wasn't time. Yeah, I would get like a slice of Domino's pizza. Oh, God. I, yeah, the Domino's pizza. Yeah. And, or there was the a la carte line that if you got there in time, it was really fast. It had nothing but amazing sugary food and chicken sandwiches. Yeah. God, those chicken sandwiches those were good, the bomb. Uh, sp- spicy chicken spicy sandwiches. Spicy chicken sandwich. Oh, those were so good. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it was like, it was time. That was my factor in lunch, was time. Yeah. So another interesting factor is that there are worries that the current healthy, healthy, healthy school lunch programs might be contributing to binge eating habits or disorders. (laughs) Yeah. There is an underlying shame in the whole thing. There are good foods. There are bad foods. You are a bad person if you eat these foods. That's the whole bystander effect. You might actually be saying, you might not actually say, you know, chocolate chip cookies, you're a bad person if you eat them. But that is the message of chocolate chip cookies are bad. It's like, are you making a good choice if you're eating a chocolate chip cookie? Yeah. Are, are you making a good choice right now? Are you sure you want to eat a second one? That's a shaming culture that we brought onto this. And just by advertising it the way we are to kids, we are bringing that shame into the classroom. Well, I mean, everything is shaming culture. That's just, that's what it is now. Yeah. That's what the internet's done to us. So kids might feel the need to hide their snacks and eat them to excess when no one is watching. Like, cheat day. Yeah, cheat day. Che- like hiding candy in their room and eating it so that- like, Having it in your pajama pocket, but then your wife steals it. I've worked with kids who have eating disorders. Binging pretty, not majority, but a good amount of time leads to purging, which means possibly bulimia. Both because of a fear of fat, which we are reinforcing in schools by having required weigh-ins in your gym class and having your BMI sent home saying that your kid is obese and you need to fix it. BMI is bullshit. Do not listen to it. And because of the guilt replacing on certain foods. I mean, we still say you are what you eat. And if we're saying chocolate chip cookies are bad, you are eating chocolate cookies. Finish that analogy. We also have the issue of telling kids they have to clean their plates before they can leave lunch. This is a real thing. You are not allowed to leave lunch unless your plate oh is clean. I was, okay, I was raised on the clean plate thing. Don't want to waste food. And it's stupid. And this has resulted in kids being forced to drink milk when they're lactose intolerant, eat gluten when they have celiac disease, or eat or consume other things they might be intolerant to or allergic to because, well, we have this policy, so you have to do it. So kids are getting sick. And also, this, this is a terrible way to get kids to learn to appreciate healthy foods because you are punishing them with by using them. Not only are you yelling at them for not eating them, they also are missing recess or getting written up for going back to class late. They're, you are making them resent and have a trauma attached to vegetables. This is not a good idea. <laughs> I've got some vegetable-related trauma. Like when I opened the freezer and a bag of peas hit me in the forehead. You can't remember anything from before that day. I have amnesia now. I need to be hit in the head by another Ampesia. bag of... Amnesia. Amnesia. I need to be hit in the head by another bag of peas if Gilligan's Island taught me anything. But that would require us to buy peas. And frozen peas. Gross. Yeah. We like vegetables. We eat a lot of vegetables, dude, yeah, it's, but... We lo- I like, dude, pretty much any vegetable, if you just roast it in the oven with some olive oil, salt, pepper, and garlic, it's good. Oh my god, his asparagus is the best. Yep. So this ties into the current USDA proposal. I told you I'd come back. I went to their website and it looks like it wasn't even supposed to be made public. <laughs> it's taken down, but it's too late, guys. Everybody's seen it. The most basic description of the proposal is that schools will have more discretion over the number of vegetables they have to offer. So instead of having to offer four vegetables, they would have to offer two, let's say. I'll tell you right now, guys, schools are not following these rules. They can't afford it. 
They're also supposed to give kids more a la carte opportunities. So you can go and order things a la carte. Now, I've worked in schools that have a la carte options. You have to get the main meal. A la carte can be gotten afterwards. And usually you have to have eaten part of your main meal first. Not always. So it's not like kids are going to typically be allowed to go straight to the a la carte line. You'll still have to get the fucking vegetables. Anyway, so they're really worried that kids are going to eat fries and pizza instead of their normal food. Well, they're not eating the normal food right now. They are throwing it away. Like, entire trays are being thrown away because for some reason, there are schools that have implemented this, but it's not universal and it should be. Foods that are not, you know, mushy foods, like apples are fine or like milks. Some schools have a table out there. It's like, you don't want to eat it, put it here. Someone else can grab it. It's a great system for kids that are hungry later in the day or who might need to sneak something home. Most schools don't implement that because we don't want bugs in the classroom. Like, so you're going to throw away thousands of dollars worth of food every day that could go to a hungry child so you don't get ants. Maybe you should just clean the school better. So we're looking at this proposal. Basically, they're afraid that kids are going to grab more crap and not eat their vegetables. Having more vegetable choice is not forcing them to eat their vegetables. I'm just fucking saying. Colin Schwartz of the Center for Public Inter- uh, Center for Science and Public Interest says the Healthy K- Hunger-Free Kids Act of 2010 has been called one of the most important obesity prevention achievements in the recent decades. And then he gets mad because the Trump administration wants to pull it back. I'm mad that I agree with something the Trump administration Dude, is that's doing. Like, I, it, it hurts because every time it's like, oh, shit, he had a good idea and I agree with this. Now, it makes me wonder if I'm wrong. In fairness, I have not read the proposal because they took it down. Maybe I will violently disagree with it. But on the surface, it's something that will make kids eat their lunch, get kids who have food shortages at home calories so they can survive a little longer. Take away some of the shame that comes from eating so we're not going to be raising up more kids with eating disorders. I fail to see the problem unless it's, unless we say all foods must have high host sodium and fat. That's where the problem is. The fact is we can't prove anything about the Hunger Healthy Kids Act having any direct cause on anything other than more food being thrown away. We know for a fact more food is being thrown away. So it is not one of the most important obesity prevention achievements in recent years. Especially because, according to the state of childhood obesity, obesity rates are still going up. (laughs) So if we want to say that this is the reason things are changing, cool, it's getting worse. So that is the history of school lunches filled with a bunch of my colorful opinions. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot to it. And I cut stuff out. See, There's entire books. I'm glad I picked a short one this week. Super glad. Yeah. We're like on hour seven of this. Will this be on the test? Okay. School lunches began because of a rising immigrant population and stricter child labor laws. Yes. Teachers would heat up food on stoves in their classrooms. Why, that involves old one-room schoolhouses, and that's always going to be on the test. The food was intended to make kids forget about their own cultures. No! (laughs) The current program makes food taste worse, even though it is healthier, to the point where nutrition professionals doubt its usefulness. No, because that would show that they're doing something wrong, and you cannot show weakness. And then the most important question, will this be on the test? The fact that BMI is bullshit. God, that really should be on the test. Really, It's like insurance companies are really the only ones pushing for it now. Oh, I Doctors. Not, every doctor I've had has been like, I want to take this off. I, this is horrible because yeah. it, it doesn't factor in anything other than height. And absolutely weight. arbitrary beyond belief. It's a good, like, very vague general, like, if you're looking for a wide statistic across the population tool not an individual diagnostic tool but it's like most athletes will be in the overweight to obese category just because of their high muscle tone and then most people who are thin will be underweight or dangerously underweight even if they can't do anything about it most people who are thin do not have dangerous eating habits so that is history of school lunches what is something you learned i learned that for a while lunches were free and also that Reagan was the one that ruined lunch and made ketchup a vegetable. That was Reagan. Fucking Reagan. Well, he was too busy eating his jelly beans. That's true. Oh, God. Well, this one's a cherry one, so it's a fruit. Well, Martha, I don't think his wife was named Martha. <laughs> um, Nancy. Nancy, yes. Well, Nancy, I think that this ketchup is definitely a vegetable. You can see it's got a tomato on the label. It's like, <laughs> yes, Ronnie. Now go eat your jelly beans while I can start consult my astrologer about how to handle this Middle East situation. <laughs> God. We should really just do an episode on Reagan. I don't want to. I don't know much about him other than he was he had Alzheimer's. Oh, uh, he just like it's like Reagan 
was a very charismatic, wrong idea machine. It's like everything he did, in hindsight, just fucked up Royal. So, are you going to ask me what I learned? What did you learn? I learned about the van community I'm going to go live in. God damn it. I knew. I was looking at this. It's like, okay, this is cool. This is interesting. But god damn it, this is going to ruin my life. And I was right. (laughs) Drink your wine. Maybe you'll forget this. (laughs) Or open the refrigerator. Maybe I'll get hit with a bag of peas. I'm taller than you. The peas won't hit me in the head. You are taller than me. I've actually grown. I don't know. How? I think it must be your know. posture. Maybe you're not as beaten down by life because you're married to such a wonderful man. Out! What are you doing? <laughs> Did you just put candy in my ear? You put a di- you, know, you put a D4 in my ear. That's a four-sided die. No, but die. I went to the doctor and I was like, because hey, I noticed they had my height wrong by three inches. They said I was 5'4 and I'm 5'7, which affects my BMI for my insurance company. So I went in and was like, hey, can you redo my height? And they did. And I've been 5'7 since I was 16. And now when you go to the doctors, they just believe you when you say your height. I was 5'7 and three quarters. I was very excited about this. So Austin, where can people find us? Why, they can find us at On The Test Pod on Twitter, at On The Twist po- on the Test Pod on Instagram, at On The Test Pod on Facebook, and also at, believe it or not, OnTheTestPod.com for our own website. And please tell your friends, tell people to listen to us, sneak onto their phones and subscribe without their permission. And please, please, please give us a like, a rating, a review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, whatever program you're listening to. If it allows you to give a ranking or review, please let it get us on there. Get us on there. I'm telling you what, if we get a, if we get 100 reviews on iTunes, uh, I say we do a review of a movie, maybe one of those movies about history that got lots of stuff wrong, like The Patriot. Okay, 100 reviews, we'll do something fun. 100 reviews, we'll do a fun thing, like a, like a movie review. Okay. I think that covers that everything. That covers everything. Our next one will be in February, and our next one will also be episode 20, which means we'll have been doing this for five months. Wow. Please listen to us. We are sad and desperate. This is the only thing we've got going for us, man. All it our really other hustles is. are failing. I'll, I mean, our hustle of being like, you know, sword swallowers really is not working out because it's we're like, both afraid of swallowing the swords. And I, like, I tried fire juggling and like we've got scorch marks all over our ceiling. I should have been doing that outside. You I really, really should have. Especially not in my closet, which has a half ceiling. Hey, I figured if I could do it in there, I could do it anywhere. Could you do it in there? No. <laughs> well, until next time. Class, class dismissed. dismissed. Hit stop. You don't, you're not the boss of me. You yes, can't I tell am. me what to do. I'm the boss.